Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. If you really want to improve as a leader, I've got a great deal for you. Simply go to mojouniversity.com and sign up for our two-week trial. Take any of my courses. I promise you, you're going to get better. You're going to learn. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up totally for free and try us out for two weeks. And welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here, and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest today, Mr. Fred Halstead. Now, Fred is the author of Leadership Skills That Inspire Incredible Results. I know you're going to really enjoy our conversation about his uh, new book. We're going to tell you a lot about that. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Fred is also the founder and principal of Halstead Executive Coaching. Uh, and he's worked with hundreds of clients uh, in executive training. Uh, he is academically trained as an executive coach. Uh, he graduated from Wabash College, attended Northwestern Graduate School of Business, and received an MBA from the University of Texas at Dallas. And we, he's active in a lot of community uh, events, uh, including YMCA United Way in his own church. Fred, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. So glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I am delighted to be part of your uh, podcast. Thank well, you for inviting me. My pleasure, and uh, really looking forward to talking about your book. I, I know it's just a, a terrific book. It's going to help a lot of people. Before we begin to do that, though, uh, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, actually, my wife and I uh, took our five-year-old granddaughter to Disney World. And as I like to tell people, we were smart enough to take their parents, too. So we all had a blast, and it was just so much fun to see the eyes of our five-year-old granddaughter sparkle at so many different occasions at Disney World. No, that's Her dad great. is a big Star Wars advocate, and so she uh, participated in an activity in which she was able to defeat Darth Vader. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Fred, what a great experience that is, and thanks for sharing it. It shows that you're not only a great author, but you're a wise man by bringing the parents as well. Uh, so yeah. well done, my friend. Well done. Thank you. 
Uh, Fred, let's talk a little bit about leadership skills that inspire incredible results. Uh, it, it's a terrific book, and uh, I, I'm, I'll tell you, listeners, uh, you're going to want a copy of this to keep in your, uh, your briefcase. You're going to want to read it on the plane. You're gonna, it's a quick read, but it's really powerful because it gives you really tangible ideas on how to get results with your team. Uh, Fred, if you, if you would, why don't you share just a moment uh, what really was the inspiration for you to, to write the book? And then I want to I ask some questions about some of the specifics. Well, the inspiration really came from developing a program by the name of Skills That Inspire Incredible Results and seeing what the effect was on the people who participated in the program. The programs I've given so far have been to leadership teams, from about eight people up to 50 people, and we have the capability to deliver the program to even more people. So after seeing what effect it had on the participants in the program, at home as well as at work, um, it just inspired to share that with a larger group of people. Well, uh, I'm thankful that you did, and I know our listeners are going to be when they get their own copy of the book. Uh, I just want to point out to our listeners that uh, that really it's seven chapters uh, of meat and material in uh, Fred's book. Uh, He covers some areas that we all need improvement on, and I'm just going to list them real quickly, and I don't want to dive deeper in a couple of them. Uh, The art and joy of listening, how to become a great listener, how to ask powerful questions, developing others' best thinking, the art of acknowledging and uh, and inspiring, wise and thoughtful delegation, and consistent accountability. Fred, I know uh, that these came from personal experience because uh, I have seen this for many years, these same areas where uh, people that are in leadership positions fail miserably. And I love the fact that you started with the art and joy of listening. Share a little bit about your experience that you shared in the book about how you came to understand that maybe you weren't such a good listener. (laughs) Well, thank you. It is a story that maybe some other uh, folks have experienced. So my wife, uh, this was several, quite a few years ago, actually, complained um, about the fact that I wasn't listening to her. And now, I, none of us have ever heard that, that Fred. We, none That's of us have right. never heard that from our wives, <laughs> yes. okay, that we, we weren't listening to them. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting. And most of the people, you and the others who may listen to this, would think that, yeah, they just say they're good listeners and, and improve. Well, I was a little bit dumber. So I agreed to uh, be tested by an ENT hearing. <laughs> and as you can guess, unfortunately or fortunately, my it was my listening that needs improvement. So, so y- your hearing was just fine. Uh, you just weren't doing the listening part of it. Is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess uh, I'm I'm amused by that story because I feel like I can relate to it, and I'll bet you every, anybody in leadership really understands it. Uh, we we I'll bet we've all had circumstances where we've had one of our people come up to us and they ask us a question, 
whenever we're already doing something else and we have no freaking idea what they said. And uh, so we either answer stupidly or we say, hey, what was it you said again? I mean, we've all had that, haven't we, Fred? Yes, yes. And uh, yes, and we go into that in some level in the book. You surely do, and uh, you. you I, I'm I'm interested. Uh, I, I liked your approach about listening. Uh, if you could uh, give our listeners maybe a taste, one or two little tips about listening, things that cause you problems, and how you can conquer that. Well, it, there's there are several. I call them barriers or inhibitors to listening. One of them that virtually all of us are guilty of is multitasking. It, it turns out that the cortex of our brain processes things in a serial way, not a parallel way. So we process little bits of information one at a time, and we think that we really can do two or three things at the same time. A lot of people can come close to doing that really well, but nobody will be perfect at it. So if we really want to listen to some, somebody... We have to not look at our computer screen, not be doing anything else, and just focus on them and what they are saying. Another thing is our preconceived notions. You know, that's a, a tough one because we all we go into conversations having thoughts about the person who is speaking to us or their subject, and therefore we clog our mind with ideas that may not gel with exactly what they're saying, but because of what we're thinking, we really can't hear in what they're saying. So those two are, are tough ones. They really are tough ones, and I, I think that it's really, in this day and age, very difficult. I've noticed a change, and I wonder if you've seen this in your clients, where more and more uh, meetings where uh, between uh, leaders of a company, whether they're senior leadership or, or entry level or mid level, it doesn't seem to make a difference, but more and more are carrying their smartphones, their computers into the meetings. And it seems to me from just observing that there's less and less listening going on. Uh, have you noticed that yourself? And uh, I'm just curious. I sure have, and also I uh, request that when I'm facilitating a meeting, that it's fine if somebody wants to have their phone or iPad or whatever their favorite device is in front of them, except that they may not look at it unless they're taking notes with it. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's very interesting. That happens, of course, in business and in all of our relationships. How many times have we all joked about uh, two people sitting virtually together, and they're talking by text rather than verbally. Um, so, yeah, we've got we've got to understand that if we're going to honor and respect people, uh, we show that by listening to them. And we have, in order to do that, we have to focus on that person. It, it's uh, amazing to me that uh, it, it, you also point out that we have to value other people. And but yet in this electronic age, uh, I don't think we realize uh, how our obsession with our instruments has become uh, a barrier to us actually demonstrating that we care about somebody. 
Yes, yes. One of the things that uh, came to mind as you were saying that, as I was listening to you, is that uh, it's far easier to type on our phone or whatever device than it is to speak to the other person. So to some degree, it could be a measure of um, our disconnect with the person and or we taking the easy way out, which is uh, not looking at the person in the eye and not getting that feedback. That uh, I want to talk a little bit about that because uh, you point out some statistics in the book about uh, how important uh, it is for us when we're dealing with people to to know uh, it's not just the words we say and uh, and how we said it, but also the body language and body language interaction uh, is being lost all across uh, businesses. Uh, because people are not paying attention. They're, they're not even looking at one another. They're not listening to one another. And they don't realize the messages that they're sending. So what are some of the things we can do in our meetings that would eliminate some of this and start to create interactions that we've not had before? One of the things I, I stress and I've observed through a lot of other people is if we have a purpose for our listening. We are going to be much better listeners. So it's really important, since listening is so hard, it's really important to figure out what's going to motivate us to really listen to that person or listen to a group of people. And if we don't know that, it's so easy to just slip into our own thoughts rather than really focus on them. So one purpose, for me anyway, is to respect other people. It's important for me that I show respect to people, and one of the best ways to do that is to listen to other people. There are other motivations that can make a whole lot of sense. Uh, This stuff is hard, so you have to figure out in what ways it's going to be really worthwhile for you to listen. Well, uh, the faster we move today, which... I think we're, I really don't think we're moving quicker myself. I think it's just that we're so easily distracted by everything. We forget what the real purpose <laughs> yes, was. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, that's my personal opinion, but it, it just seems to be that, that we're doing that. Now, one of my favorite chapters in the book, Fred, uh, was the the art of asking questions to people. And I think one of the things that we can learn from your book is that listening uh, is certainly a skill that we all have to develop. But I think that one of the reasons that maybe we don't listen very well is that our questions are so poor. So uh, what have you, what, what advice have you seen and what do you recommend for us learning how to ask people better questions so that we might be able to connect more, more powerfully? The first thing is to listen. Way many, many years ago, a friend of mine I noticed was a tremendous conversationalist, and I was just sort of awed by his ability to talk with anyone. And so I asked him, said, what, uh, what is it that gives you that gift? And he said, well, it's really the fact I listen to them. And then I asked him a question. If you truly listen to a person, 
It's it's really amazing, Steve. You will not have to worry about what questions you're going to ask because if you listen, you're just automatically going to think of good questions to ask in a business case that's going to bring out the other person's best thinking, that's going to help develop them, that's going to help solve the problem. So the, the first thing is to figure out your motivation and you listen, then the questions will come. important thing about questions, one of the most important things, is open-ended. So I stress in the book that questions that start with what are far more powerful and productive than questions that start certainly with why or even how. I couldn't agree with you more, Fred. And uh, let's talk, uh, if you will, just a moment. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the reasons that the why question get in the way. There's a defensive mechanism that's sort of built into the word why. Almost in any context. Why don't you do that? Why did you do that? Why does this make sense? Well, that means that we have to, used to say, explain ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to, in some cases, defend our thinking. The what, in contrast to the why, uh, invites us, really, to think more thoroughly about it without this sort of emotional baggage of defensive mechanism. So the what opens people's minds the why tends to build up the shield. Mm-hmm. It surely does. And uh, if you don't believe that, try it on your, uh, your wife. Uh, and, and just see how well that works for you. Because uh, <laughs> I promise you, you're going to learn real quickly that that was a really bad approach. Uh, and yet we do it in business. And I, I want to just put the elephant in the room. Uh, so many of us in business, uh, once we started getting promoted, uh, we fall in love with ourselves. And mm-hmm. we feel like we become the, uh, the answer to all things uh, material in the company. And so we, we tend, and you point this out in your book brilliantly, because you talk about how uh, we really have to work at asking great questions because we're so used to just telling people what to think and what to do. Yes, yes. In fact, I just had a, a coaching session this morning with a highly successful CEO, and we talked about that very issue of what are the advantages for you, for the other people, for the whole organization if you were to start focusing more on asking subordinates questions that bring out their best thinking rather than tell them what you think right off the bat or tell them what they ought to do, it seems like it will take a lot more time and there's, you know, there's just great satisfaction in, I'm a smart guy, I can tell you what to do, I have the experience, I have the knowledge, so here's what you need to do. Well, when that happens, the person has no ownership. Its boss told me to do this. Whereas if you take a, and the more you do this, the quicker you'll get at it. So you ask the other person, you know, well, what is your thinking? What's, what's the best solution that you've arrived at so far? And then they'll start talking and they'll tell you, and very quickly you may find that they're missing a point. 
so you would say, well, what about this aspect? And then they'll respond to that. They'll develop their own thinking. If they're what I call the doer, the one most responsible for accomplishing the goal, then they'll own it. Furthermore, they verbalize it. They verbalize it to their boss. So they can verbalize it to their subordinates and anybody else that's going to be involved in accomplishing that goal. That's just a beautiful way of, of describing the whole process, Fred. And I want to uh, make uh, point out to our listeners that uh, you've really helped us, those of us that really struggle with this. And I think most people do struggle with it because they've just not thought through this. Uh, and they don't know how to ask questions. And in the appendix of Fred's book, listeners, uh, he has uh, many questions already written out for you. And if nothing else, if you wrote those down as reminders, pick out the ones that really relate well to you and your experience. Uh, if you wrote those down and started reading, just read them if you have to, uh, in order to get your team talking. Uh, you're going to find so much more engagement from your team. So, uh, Fred, uh, thank you for your effort in helping us learn how to do that. I think it's just really powerful that we can do those things. Uh, it, when you talk to, um, it, to people that are interacting with those leaders, what are some of the things that they say uh, about the person that uh, do, do they point out that they're uh, never heard? How do we know if we're really struggling with this area? Uh, in, in terms of asking great questions? Yes. How do we know? Yeah. If, if some of us are clueless out there, how are we going to know? Well, it, that's a, a question I haven't directly considered, but I certainly have observed it. So, one, re one way we know is by the, the feedback we get from our subordinates or our peers. So you mentioned body language. Well, there's body language involved. There's also expression, which is part of body language, on their face. Additionally, if there's confusion and they don't want to acknowledge that they didn't understand, they didn't hear, they're not sure, then it's going to be a big challenge. So you'll find that out when you think, well, I told this person that's what they ought to do, and they didn't do it. I don't understand. Well, it's because you didn't ask questions to clarify in their mind to help them be sure they did understand. So that's a, probably the most productive way to know whether you're asking good questions or not. The other one is pretty obvious, and that's reflect back on the conversations you just had. How many questions did you ask? What was the response? What was the, the sort of the feeling of the person after the conversation? Great tips for, for all of us there, Fred. I, I know from a personal experience, uh, I was having an interaction, just share this with our audience, uh, was having an interaction uh, with uh, Cindy, my wife, and she stopped in the middle of a response and made a statement that uh, I don't think she said something to this effect. I don't think you really understood what I said or that maybe whatever you're hearing is not what I'm talking about. 
And I said, okay, uh, help me understand what I did. And she said, it's the look on your face. And I said, the look on my face, would you give me a little bit more information about that? And so she told me that I had a habit uh, of, of an expression on my face that basically was disapproval. In other words, that I had not really even completed listening. I'd already disapproved or had formed an opinion. And yes. I, I actually had to go look at myself in the mirror to see how I looked because I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, well, but I didn't think that at all. And uh, it's that body language. And I don't care how many years you've done it, how many years you've been in business, you're going to find that you probably like me have developed some bad habits and you need to constantly be aware of these things. Is that a fair statement, Fred, for us to be aware of these? It sure is. It certainly is. And uh, this is not directly related to the book. Uh, it, part of my coaching for individuals always includes a 360 assessment, which I there's some good uh, web-based instruments, but I prefer to do it directly in person or over the phone with the participants in the 360. Gosh, that's, it can be tough on people, and yet it is so revealing and really helps in self-awareness, which mm. is what you're talking about, being aware of how you're projecting yourself. Sometimes it's best to ask people that you trust, what, what is it that I'm doing that really works well for you? What could I be doing that might be more effective for you and for me as a leader? Absolutely. And, uh, and I certainly did that. And I realized that what I had done for me was that I lost eye contact. And when I lost eye contact, I went into a thought mode that uh, really expressed uh, disapproval from my body language. It had nothing to do with the fact that I was just thinking. I didn't know I'd done that. But because it was pointed out and I asked, uh, it helped me to get better. I'm still working on that, by the way. I'm still not totally there, and uh, I'm reminded that, hey, you still got to work on that. So that's okay. It, it's good to, to have things to work on. Uh, Speaking I, of that, I yes. really like to stress that of the, the six skills, concepts I talk about, mm -hmm. there is no perfection. Now, I'm in the business of listening and asking questions, and I am certainly not perfect. I have not mastered it. So we need to give ourselves a break and say, you know, it's just not nat natural to listen. We want to talk, and it's not that natural necessarily to be curious and to ask a bunch of questions. So if we get better at it, if we improve, then that's going to be very meaningful for us and for everybody around us. Absolutely. And thank you for reminding us that we don't have to be perfect. Now, Fred, I know people are going to want to know much more about how to connect with you and the great work you do. Why don't you share how they can best connect with you? Sure. Uh, I have a, a website, uh, Halstead Executive Coaching, and that has a lot of information on it. Um, so that's probably the best way to connect. And, and my email address is fred.halsteadec at yahoo.com. 
Awesome. And uh, for those of you that are exercising right now, uh, we'll be sure to include a link directly to Fred's website for you. And uh, you, I, I encourage you to go get your own copy of Leadership Skills That Inspire Incredible Results. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a, an inspiration to you because it will help point out things uh, that are very personal in nature that we can do to improve our leadership skills. One of those things that Fred does talk about in the book, and we won't have time today to go into great detail about it, is establishing uh, a culture of accountability. My favorite chapter in the book, Fred, just so you know, uh, because I frankly think that we're in a generational time today where accountability is almost a bad word, that people are expected, uh, they think that they can go to work and not have any expectations. And I think that's because of poor leadership myself, because we didn't define it. But uh, from culture of accountability, what would be the one or two things, in your opinion, that cause uh, leaders to really be so poor at holding people accountable? One of the, uh, well, two of the themes in the book are, one is respecting other people, and the other is those leaders who can get their mind around and really execute on I'm going to be most successful if I focus on the success of everyone around me. And people pick up on that. People pick up on if you respect them. People pick up on do you really want them to succeed even more than you. The process, again, you will succeed. So with accountability, as with delegation, it's a sign of respect when you hold someone accountable. Why? because it shows that you have high expectations for them. Not low expectations, but high. It also shows that you want them to be successful. People can't be successful if they're not being accountable. It's just not going to happen. So if you really want to respect others and you really want others to succeed, you will hold them accountable. And it's, it's a different way to look at it. Most people haven't viewed it in quite that way. Well, I agree with you, and I, I think that the depth that you go into to explain that in the book is, uh, if for no other reason, make sure you get your copy for that. Uh, Fred, uh, here at Manager Mojo, we like to uh, end our broadcast uh, with a couple of action items that you recommend that our leaders take. I'm curious, uh, if you would, would you share what would be your recommended one or two action items that people should take upon listening to our broadcast today. If you truly would like to be better at these skills, one thing I've recommended to, to folks, and it's been successful, and for those who keep notes in meetings or any sort of journal in any fashion, uh, if you do shorthand and keep track for, start with just one week, keep track of how many uh, times you've listened more acutely, how many times you've asked a question which you otherwise might not have, how many times you brought out the other person's best thinking rather than tell them what you think or what they ought to do. And the same applies to giving genuine acknowledgments, delegating when you might previously not have, and holding others accountable. So you can measure it. That, uh, for most people, is really helpful. Absolutely. And the other thing 
get your mind around what's going to motivate you to make these difficult changes. There's a lot of benefit, but what's that special benefit for you that's going to help you to focus on doing these things better? I love it, Fred. Two great action items. Thank you so very much for those. My guest today has been Fred Halstead. He's the author of Leadership Skills That Inspire Incredible Results. I highly recommend you get your own copy, uh, write in it, study it. You're going to take it personal uh, with you everywhere you go. I know it's going to be helpful to you. So, Fred, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. And we here at Manager Mojo wish you continued success in all that you do. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it.